0: God's faithfulness is indeed great, isn't it? Open your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. In the midweek update that uh, we sent out, you were uh, informed that we would be covering verses 1 through 8, but we're only going to do 1 through 2 today. So it turns out, as I was uh, studying through that passage, that there's a lot, a lot of meat in those first eight verses. And uh, rather than try and condense it all down and force feed it to you at a high rate of speed, I thought we instead would slow down a little bit and work our way through it. So we are in uh, chapter 3, and I'm going to read for us verses 1 and 2. Then what advantage has the Jew Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. Let's pray. Father, we as a congregation come together, joining together in prayer, coming into your presence in this way. On this morning that is set aside to worship you corporately, and we do worship you, we call to mind your faithfulness. We call to mind your work on our behalf. We remind ourselves of your greatness, that you are indeed awesome. And you are our God. We praise you for what you've done for us in Christ. We praise you for your mercy towards us. Your patience. We praise you that you sent your son. To redeem us. That we would be your children. And we celebrate that this morning. We praise you also that you've given us your word that is reliable, that is inerrant, that tells us true things about you, true things we could not figure out any other way had you not told us. And your word tells us true things about us, things we would not want to know if it weren't for your word telling us. And telling us the consequences. So we rejoice that we have your word that communicates the gospel of salvation to us. That communicates uh, how we can have peace with God. And so this time in our morning as we are here to sit under the teaching of your word. To open your word together. I do pray that you would work in our hearts. That we would have your word open before us that our hearts would be open before You, that You would work in us by Your Spirit, that You would help us to set aside distraction, that we would be able to focus on You and focus on Your Word this morning. We thank You for the very oracles of God given to us in Your Word. We ask that You would bless our time even now. In Jesus' name amen I don't know if you have seen the video or not but uh, there is a video going around that I saw some time back and it was of a man using a jackhammer and I have used a jackhammer some in my time in a former life I I was uh, I did road construction and um, got to use a jackhammer occasionally and it could be fun for a while but not after a long while it becomes less fun right and so uh i i praise the lord for people who who uh, work hard in in that profession and doing those kinds of things i also praise the lord that i don't have to be that guy anymore <laughs> and so uh but i you've maybe seen this video of a guy using a jackhammer but the one he was using was a much smaller version than the big 90 pounder that we used to use that would break up concrete no matter how thick and all that this was a this was almost a handheld one it was about <clears throat> about this big a little bigger than a sawzall and uh, he was using it to tear down a brick wall. He was peeling the brick facing off of this wall and um, as he was doing so, it became evident that he he didn't wasn't using it properly, that he would lift this thing up that's heavy. I mean, it wasn't 90 pounds, but it's heavy and he was banging it into the wall and he was tearing a brick out one at a time by banging it into the wall. He didn't have it plugged in and so... <clears throat> The, the the benefit of having a jackhammer is that it does the work for you. That's the whole point, right? You don't have to pick it up and jam it down. It does that for itself, but this man wasn't doing that. And I don't know why he wasn't doing that. I won't make any comment about his situation or uh, anything else, but he was not using that tool to its uh, full advantage. And uh, our message today from uh, Romans chapter 3 is on that topic of... The spiritual advantage that we have, the the people of God have the inspired word of God to their spiritual advantage. We look again at at, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and I just want to focus on what's there at the end of of chapter 2. We're going to deal with the larger argument the next time we talk about this, but uh, for today, I just want to focus on this advantage that they have. He says, then what advantage has the Jew? or what is the value of circumcision much in every way to begin with so he's gonna start listing the advantages that they have now he never gets beyond this first list unless it's all the way into chapter 9 when he starts to uh, continue this list but but he says first of all the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God and that's gonna arrest his thought for a moment for quite a while And I want us to pause and think about that ourselves, about the advantage of the Word. To begin with, God has spoken to us. God himself has spoken to us. And if we think about when that started, you don't get very far in your Bible before you learn of God speaking to man. Even in the garden, even in the very beginning, in the very first chapter of the Bible, we already hear words being spoken by God to man. Instruction and blessing. God spoke to them. And if we think about that for a moment, that the God of the universe, almighty God, who created every one of us, who is over all, who is other than us, speaks to us and has done so from the beginning. What an advantage we have. I often pray, and you, you hear me pray it, pray it it's, it's because I'm struck by it again and again that God didn't leave us to fumble around in the dark and figure out who He is, figure out the meaning of life. He speaks to us. He's told us in His Word. Paul Tripp comments on this uh, fact of God speaking to Adam and Eve even in the garden in his book, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. He says this, God knew that even though Adam and Eve were perfect people, living in perfect relationship with Him, they could not figure out life on their own. They were created to be dependent. God had to explain who they were and what they were to do with their lives and get this they did not need this help because they were sinners they needed help because they were human this is how we've been created this isn't the result of our sin that therefore we now need to hear from god from the beginning before sin had entered the picture already you had god speaking to humans We need God to speak to us. And in the Bible, God has spoken to us all that we need to know. Listen to this from 2 Peter chapter 1. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers in the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. God has told us all that we need to know. He's spoken to us, and it's not just occasionally, or it's not just a little bit, or a a dribble of the information that we really need to know. He's told us all that we need to know, all things that pertain to life and godliness. When we have questions about salvation the Bible gives us the answer. When we have questions about what it means to walk with God, the Bible gives us the answer. His word speaks to us all things that we need to know. We have that right here in this word, in this book that we're holding in our hand, that we're looking at on our phone. Now, there, there might be some areas. In fact, there are some areas that we would like to know more. Things that, that we're curious about. Things that, that the Bible doesn't tell us and we, we wonder. We talked in our Sunday school class this morning about the big why questions. Often those questions don't get answered in Scripture. But well, we wonder about them, don't we? Often that's the first question that comes to mind. Why does God do this? Why did God let that thing happen? And we often don't get the answers to those things. So we have answers, we have all the answers that we need in the important areas about how to walk with God, about how to be saved, about who He is, about who we are. He hasn't left anything out that we need. But sometimes we want more than we have, don't we? Well, there's, a, there's a passage that addresses that topic. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29 says this, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. He makes a distinction there between the things that are secret that God doesn't tell us about. Those things belong to God. Those are His. And there are other things that He has revealed to us. And those things belong to us. And not only do they belong to us, we should utilize them. We should understand them. We are to dig into those things that he's revealed to us. We are to obey those things that we may do all the words of this law, he says in Deuteronomy. So God has spoken all we need to know and and we can rejoice that he has spoken to us the words of life in our Sunday School class last week and the week before we were discussing in John chapter 6 and we read Simon Peter saying this to Jesus in John chapter 6 he says you have the words of eternal life where else are we gonna go Jesus you say hard things things that are hard to understand and things that that are hard to take but where else are we gonna go because Jesus you have the words of eternal life the, the words that we need to know the most the ones that are absolutely crucial that we understand those are the very words that we find in God's word the Bible the words of life you've read the Bible and if you're if you're reading it for the first time I encourage you to keep going keep reading some of the parts of the Bible can be difficult, particularly if you don't understand the rest of it, can be difficult to, to work your way through because there's a lot of history in there, isn't there? And it's, it's ancient history. It's from long ago, and, we, and the names are long, and they sound strange to us and the locations. We don't even know where that is. And, and uh, the history can be difficult. And the Bible is full of history. But that's not the main purpose of the Bible. It's not primarily a history book. It contains wisdom for life it contains guidance for relationships I just did premarital counseling for several weeks and so we were looking for advice on how to live a Christian married life and so we looked into God's Word it gives us instruction for how to do that guidance for relationship insight into human character anytime someone claims to understand people and yet doesn't uh, know God, I know they don't have step one down because they don't truly understand human character. And the Bible is about human character and it's about wisdom and it's about all those things and on and on. But the message isn't primarily those things. The primary message, the message of greatest importance in the Bible is of eternal life that's to be found in Christ. Those other things are there, but they're not the focus. And Peter recognized that when he was answering Jesus in John chapter 6. He continues, We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. The message of eternal life, the message that's of greatest importance, the the central message and theme of Scripture is about Christ. About who He is. About what He's done. About how in Him we can have peace with God. This is the advantage that we have in the Word of God. God has spoken all things that we need to know in order to have spiritual life with our God. And Paul says in Romans three two that the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. Being entrusted with something implies stewardship. They were entrusted with it and therefore they were to take care of it. So let's look at stewardship of the Word. They were entrusted with the oracles of God. First, first of all the word is to be treasured it's to be treasured one of the verses I remember hearing very often in my early Christian life which kind of inspired something in me was from Psalm 119 verse 103 how sweet are your words to my taste sweeter than honey to my mouth that's cherishing that's treasuring that's desiring God's word and that's part of this stewardship. That's part of how we are to understand and relate to the Bible. When we lived in Russia, we were exposed to all manner of delicious food. There's, there's still some food that I, I wish I could have again. It was wonderful food. One of those foods was not hamburgers, though. They, they make hamburgers, and we had plenty of hamburgers while we were there. And it was very rare if we had a good one. I don't know, they just weren't, they didn't taste right. And they, they were dry maybe, or they were gristly, or you were, you know, the questionable quality of the meat. And so when we moved back here, and Stephanie can testify to this, we moved back here, anytime we'd go out to a restaurant, it didn't matter what restaurant, we were ordering burgers. <laughs> it, 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 steakhouse, doesn't matter, give me a burger, right? It doesn't matter. Because we, de, we, we desired the taste of a delicious hamburger. The way we had grown up with, the way they should be done, right? We, we longed for that. We desired that. It was something that it didn't matter how many times per week I had them. I was still going to order a burger. And that, that should be the way our taste is for God's word. Yeah, we've read it and we want to read it again. We've studied it and we want to keep studying it. We've, we've memorized portions and we want to keep memorizing. We've sat in Bible studies. We've sat under the teaching of the Word. We, we know God's Word and we want more. We want to know it more. And so we're to treasure God's Word. It's to be treasured. God Himself, who is wholly other from us and whom we can't see, has communicated to us. What a tragedy when we don't open it. What a tragedy When this sits there closed and I don't open God's very communication to me. The word of God is to be treasured and it is to be known. It's to be known. When when Joshua was preparing to lead the people to conquer the land of Canaan after the death of Moses, the Lord spoke to him. The Lord came and spoke to Joshua, who's the new leader of the people. He's got this new task that, that he's going to do. And if Joshua was to have success in the leadership of the people and in the conquest of the land, there was something that he needed to do. There was something he needed to know and to hear from God. And Joshua was a military leader and this was a military command and, and they had a military task that they were to do. They were on a mission. And, and so what would these instructions be? Would it be how to order the troops? Or in what order to make the attack, or do it this way, or use that kind of subterfuge, or any of that stuff? What, what would God communicate? Well, the Lord didn't give him some military strat- strategy or tell him what to do with his soldiers. Instead, he told him from Joshua 1, eight, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The key to leading God's people and conquering what God had put before them was to know and to do what was written in God's Word. That should be instructive for us, that a military commander would hear from God, those instructions, okay, you're about to go in and take over the land, read your Bible, meditate on it, and obey it, and you will have success. The Word of God is to be known. I hear people say sometimes when, when uh, they're encouraged to study the Bible, to know the Bible, Bible better, to, to memorize it, to, to, to work in there, to spend investing their lives in this book... Sometimes you'll hear comments like, well, I don't really need to know it all that well because I just want to know Jesus. I just want to walk with Jesus. That's really more important to me than the doctrine. That's really more important to me than than knowing God's word that well. And you can hear the contradiction on the face of it. How are you going to know Jesus if you don't know his word and of course what they mean is an experiential knowledge of him I pray to Jesus and, and I, I feel the promptings of the Holy Spirit and that's the extent of my knowledge of Jesus and my walking with him I do what that feeling says I pray I, and and it's all uh, a subjective experience with Jesus when in fact they have no idea And they are quickly losing the idea they do have of who Jesus really is. We are not just left to try and divine from feelings within us what God wants us to do. Or who Jesus is or what He's like. He has told us in His Word. He tells us right here who Jesus is. We need to know God's Word. Without knowing God's Word... We will not know Jesus. We will not know God. So the word is to be treasured. It's to be known. And thirdly, it's to be obeyed. Joshua wasn't only to meditate on and know the book of the law. He was to do those things in order to do according to all that was written in it. It's not enough to know it. You, you need to know it and you need to meditate on it. You need to treasure it. You need to value it. And then you need to respond in obedience to it. That we may do what is written in it. Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty eight, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. How easy it is to be a hearer of the word. And not be a doer. We need to hear. And we need to understand. And we need to think. And we need to meditate. And we need to discuss. We need to know what God's Word says. So that we can do what it says. That's why He's given it to us. It's not enough to to know the treasure we have in the Word of God. It's not enough to know what the Word of God says, even. The word is given to us so that we can hear it and obey it. Which brings us to a very clear point of application. Let's be stewards of God's word. Treasure God's word. Develop a taste for it. Like for your favorite food. Know that in it you will find the words of eternal life. And treasure it get to know God's Word read and study it follow along when the word is preached your Bible should be open and you should be following along and if I give you time when I go to the cross-reference you should be there also follow along be involved get to know God's Word come to Sunday school we teach the Bible in Sunday school go to connect group where you can study the Bible go to a Bible study when you wake up in the morning Read your Bible. Memorize it. Learn it. Get to know God's Word. And obey God's Word. Don't, don't stop at being happy that you have a Bible. Rejoicing that you have a Bible. Don't even stop at learning what your Bible says. Obey what you learn in it. Do what it says. God gave us His Word to instruct us so that we would walk in accordance with his word. So let's be good stewards of God's word. Look back at chapter 3 and verse 2. He says, Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. The oracles of God. Now, the NIV translates that as the very words of God. I mean, that's not a terrible translation. The idea is this is from God. It is His direct speech. It communicates salvation. It's God talking directly to us, and the Word of God is the oracles of God. Notice, first of all, that the Word contains both blessing and cursing. Blessing and cursing. As we develop our argument later on in Romans chapter 3, both of those aspects are going to be important when we think about uh, the history of God's people, what God is doing with them. We need to understand both of those things together. But for our purposes today, we need to understand the word contains blessing and cursing. We go to the Bible to find the words of life, but we also find there a clear explanation of our own plight of our own problem of our own need we go there and we find what happens when we don't take to heart the words of the Bible listen to this from Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19 I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death blessing and curse therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live. Now, those words were spoken in the context right before the people were entering to enter into the land. And there are chapters given in there later on in 28-29 in, uh, in of Deuteronomy that talk about the very great blessings that were to happen to the people when they obeyed God and they, they were going to have these fabulous, miraculous, wonderful blessings. And of course we want to hear that and we like to hear that and they like to hear that. But on the flip side, there were curses connected with it too. It's it going to be like if you disobey and those blessings are flipped on their head. So when we go to the Bible, we hear good news, but we also hear the bad news. We don't like to hear the bad news. People don't like to hear bad news. Especially the bad news of hell, of judgment. But God is faithful. And he is loving to call attention to those things that are true so as to warn people, to warn them of the consequences of their rebellion, the consequences of their unbelief. That's why we find in the Bible both good news and bad news. And by the way, for us, the bad news of the Bible is a powerful, should be a powerful motivator for us to be those who take the good news of the gospel to the lost. The better we understand what the consequences of rebellion and unbelief are, the more we should be driven to take that message to the lost around us. Apart from Christ, they will live with that cursing and not the blessing. The word contains blessing and cursing, and the word is the very oracles of God. It is the very oracles of God. I want to talk about the the nature of the Bible, what the Bible is really like. And there are basically three views on this. First is the biblical view. That's the idea that this is the Word of God. That God gave His Word written through the apostles and prophets. It's inerrant in its original, it has no errors and God has communicated clearly to us in his word and this is a divine book and it is a human book meaning when I read the gospel of John it reads very differently from Hebrews that's because they were different authors and so you find the difference in the, the grammar and the, even the way they reason vocabulary is very different in one as opposed to the other that's because it's a human book but it's also completely divine, meaning it is God's Word. Now, there's a, a second view here that misunderstands those two things. There's a second view that says, actually, it's just the words of mere men. It's, it's uh, philosophical musings, religious musings. It's uh, thoughts that people have had about God and they've written them down, or them writing down about their experience with God. This is, this is what it was like. And so it's a, a human book in that view and of course we deny that the Bible says that that uh, all is inspired by God it's given by him by inspiration so some people think that it's it's merely a human book and others think no it's some kind of a mixture it's like a puzzle it's like a mixture of human and divine words together and sometimes when you're when you're reading in God's Word it really is God's Word But other places, that's just the stuff that men thought, right? And so these people think, well, I really only care about God's words. So it becomes the job of the scholar to decide what is God's word and what's man's word, to separate those two out. And, of course, that's been the trajectory of much of, uh, uh, if not all, of liberal scholarship for the last couple hundred years, trying to separate those things out. So we reject that idea too. The Bible is given by God. It is His Word spoken through human authors. Not in, a, not in a dictation way. It's not as if God is up there speaking a half a sentence at a time while Elijah's writing down, wait, wait, you know, like, i got to write down exactly what you said. And that, that, that's not, it's not a, an, a, a dictation. That's not the way we understand that. We understand that God worked through the human authors by His Spirit in such a way that the human author wrote in his own language, wrote using his own ideas, his own understanding, his own reasoning, his own vocabulary, his own grammar and syntax and all of that. You can see his fingerprints in everything that he's written, while at the same time the result is completely the Word of God so that God has communicated himself perfectly and clearly through that human author. Some think that, well, because the book is a human book written by people in human language, and since we have finite minds, therefore we can't really understand what God was trying to communicate to us. But I ask you, is God able to make himself be understood? Of course he is. Of course he is. He's not speaking over our heads. He's communicating in our language to us so that we can understand what he says. Now, he understands infinitely more than he's communicated to us. But what he has communicated to us in his word is ours to understand. It's ours to understand. It's not muddled by the fact that it's communicated in human language. Peter says this in 2 Peter chapter 1. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of God of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's Peter summing up how this process of inspiration of Scripture works. God uses human authors communicating in their language with with the things that are unique about them to communicate exactly and perfectly His Word to us, so that what we have is the oracles of God. Notice I did not say contains the oracles of God, as if we have to search around and find what in here is really from God and what is not. This is the word of God to us. There's nothing lost. There's nothing extra in here. What God communicated to man by inspiration, we have included in our Bible. There aren't other gospels out there that were inspired by God but that we've excluded from our Bibles. That is not the case. There's not something in here that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we don't like uh, you know, the book of Hebrews or James or something like that. That's not an extra book that got accidentally included. This is God's Word. The Word is the oracles of God. And finally, the Word leads us to the Incarnate Word. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1 if you would. Hebrews chapter 1. Because in the Bible we see very clearly that God's Word is referred to as the Word, meaning His spoken Word, meaning what was written down, what was communicated via the prophets to us. This is the Word of God. But we also see very clearly that the Word of God is a phrase used About Jesus himself. About the the Son of God communicating God to us. And so we read this in Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things. Through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the words, the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Ultimately, the Bible is where we learn about Jesus. Where we learn about the Messiah sent by God for sinful man to redeem for himself a people for his own possession. The Bible is where we learn about our plight, our guilt, and our obligation before God since he's our creator. We learn about the punishment that we deserve. So we understand the situation we find ourselves in. And the Bible is very clear and doesn't pull any punches in describing our plight, describing the problem that we have and what the penalty is. But as we continue to look in the Bible, we also read about the saving work of Christ, about the rescue mission that he came on to redeem a people for himself, for his own possession. And only in the Bible do we learn of the true gospel of the completed and saving work of Christ. I go back to the thought earlier of gratitude towards God that he's communicated himself to us in his word. Because if we were to try and reason our way to him, as so many people do, if we were to fumble around in the dark trying to understand what the problem is, what's wrong, what's broken in the world, and how do we fix it, we would never arrive at the gospel. We would never understand about Jesus. And so God has graciously communicated to us about His Son. I said only in the Bible do we learn of the true gospel of the completed saving work of Christ. And the farther we get from the Bible, the farther we get from the true gospel. I see I see trends in our world of... People wanting to preach on other topics than the Bible. Or they want to use the Bible for their purposes to communicate their idea. And the longer they do that, the farther they get from the gospel and the farther their people get from the gospel. And that's not the trajectory that we want to be going in. And so I like to tease that at Parkside our middle name is Bible, right? And it has to stay that way. We must keep the Bible open in front of us. We must understand what it says. We must Treasure this word and we must do what it says and especially especially as it points us to Christ the theme that repeats again and again in the Bible is not only about our need but about God's Savior about God having met that need in Christ and so as we commit ourselves to God's Word as we value it, as we study it, as we commit to obey it, we must arrive at Christ. We must arrive at that fact that our only hope is Jesus himself. That's the message of the Bible. That's what the Bible ultimately is trying to convey to us. There is wisdom in there. There is history in there. There is communication of, of how to relate with one another and live life and all of those things. And those things are valuable They are valuable when they are subsumed under the truth of the gospel, subsumed under the fact of who Christ is and what he's done for us. And so the call for us today, the final point of application for us today is to call to mind Christ himself, to call to mind the hope that we can only have in him. That we would rejoice in this salvation that we have. That we would rejoice, that we would find great joy and gladness in the fact that God has communicated to us and what He has communicated to us is salvation in His Son. And that we would trust in Him. That we would trust in Him. And that, that we would learn the lesson of the Bible that we would not be stuck somewhere in the middle, that we would not be distracted by some minor detail when in fact that minor detail is intended to lead us to Christ. And so he says in Romans chapter 3, the, uh, this advantage, this, this amazing advantage that the Jews had, the oracles of God that had been entrusted to them. Well, people, we have the oracles of God entrusted to us. And we dare not miss those oracles. We dare not miss the direction of God's communication to us. We dare not miss this Messiah who's ours for those of us who are in Christ. And so I had intended initially to work our way all the way through those eight verses, but I, I, I couldn't get past the value, the advantage, the, the solid gold that we have in the Bible we need to love God's Word. Not just love it out there and rejoice that we have it as it sits on our shelf. But that we would love it, that we would study it, that we would value it, that we would, that we would order it every chance we get like a burger at a restaurant. That we would love God's Word and that we would do what it says. And that we would not miss this Messiah that it points to. That we would see Jesus for who he truly is as the only way that our need can be met. We have in our hands an incredible advantage. The very oracles of God have been entrusted to us. By them we know all that God wants us to do and to know. And let's make use of that advantage. Let's, let's not be like the man with the power tool hammering it into the wall when he could have just turned it on and pushed the button. Use the Word to its advantage. Let us know and do His Word. Let's treasure it. Let's develop a taste for it so that we can say with the psalmist, How sweet are Your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. And I I confess to You now that I have not valued Your Word as I ought. I have not treasured it as I should. Nor, nor do I know it as I ought to, nor obey it as I ought to. I pray that you would forgive me and I pray that you would forgive us where that's true of us. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the fact that it points me to Jesus. The one who took upon himself the the penalty for my sin. The one who bore your wrath in his body on the tree. That, that I might have life in him. So I rejoice in that life in Christ. Father I pray that as I go to your word the next time. That I would rejoice again in that life that I have in Christ. That I would learn what you've done for me. And I would rejoice in what you've done for me. And I would see what you call me to do in response that I would rejoice in that. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you that we get to be here together and study it together. I pray for your blessing on each one here. I pray for your blessing on camp this coming week as, as students will hear the Bible taught multiple times a day and they will be memorizing it. And they will be reciting it to one another. They'll be studying it together. I pray that you would use your word to accomplish its purpose, even in their hearts, and for each of us. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you, and we rejoice in Jesus' name. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. God bless you all. If you want to pray with someone, there will be someone up here to pray with you.